My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if you've ever walked through an, an art museum, you know there's all kinds of paintings in that museum. You can see lots of paintings of flowers and vases or, or fruit that's sitting on a table. And then you can come across some landscapes, landscapes that might look like Van Gogh's landscape here. And, and you look at a landscape like that, and, and it, it, at least for me, it brings a sense of calm. It's, it's kind of a pastoral scene. It's a peaceful scene. And, and as you look at, at enough landscapes, there tends to be a little joy that, that comes uh, and, and lifts your spirits. Well, as you walk through an art museum, the, the landscapes and the still lifes and, and, and the fruit on the table, that, those aren't the only paintings that you see. You can also walk through an art museum and you can see some that tends to, to be a little on the, the uglier side. And so you can see something like this one. This is the scream. And, and this is more of a, a melancholy painting. It's, there's a bit of an, an ugliness to it. It's, it's trying to communicate some of the darker sides of life, some of the, 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 the less exciting, less, well, less enjoyable parts of life. And you look at a painting like that, and, and it doesn't fill you with joy. And it doesn't lift your spirits. In fact, it can kind of push you down a little and, and, and strengthen, or, or not strengthen you, but, but, but make you a little depressed. As Jesus speaks to us today, and as we consider one last day what it means to live that God-filled life, or God-lived life, we would like to think that, that Jesus, as he paints a picture for us, paints a picture that looks more like this one. One of those landscapes, one that brings peace to you, one that brings a little joy and it builds you up. But the picture that Jesus uses today looks more like the screen. It shows the uglier side of sin. It shows the way that sin has a way of, of corrupting someone. It paints a picture that isn't that pretty at all. But in the midst of the, the ugliness of the scene that Jesus paints for us, we see a glimpse of beauty, a, a glimpse of something that lifts our spirits and, and causes us to be glad that God has made us a steward of what he has given us. Because in the midst of all the ugliness, we find the answer to the question, now what should I do? Well, Jesus' parable points to that portrait of an ugly situation. There's a man there, and he's the, the head steward of the house. That, this steward, though, is not the ideal man. He's a crook. And so his portrait, it's dark, and it, it's pressing down, and, and it revolves around the way that the servant goes about his business. You see, the, the servant's job is to manage his master's estates, to manage the books, to manage the property, to make sure that everything is taken care of. And the manager goes about his work asking that question, now what should I do? Except this manager is stuck on himself. And even though he is responsible for taking care of everything that his master had, he spent his time trying to figure out how to enrich himself, how to make life better for himself, how he didn't really have to care for his master's stuff as long as he took care of himself. 
That's how he answers the question, now what should I do? And then that's when we start to see some of the ugliness in this picture. And, and, and as we look at these parable, this parable, it's, it's not a parable that, that we are comfortable with. Because we see a man who is focused on himself and uses that criteria of me and myself and I as he goes about exercising his job and, and, and being faithful with, with what, what he has. And part of the reason that, that we can probably sit there and say, this is, this is a bit of an ugly picture, and, and, and this servant, who's not being very faithful at all, presents the ugly picture, is perhaps because we can see a little bit of ourselves in that servant. Because we can look at, at the decisions that we make as we manage what God has given us and, and use the same criteria for ourselves, the criteria of me and myself and I. As Jesus paints this picture, he tells us, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. This man, this selfish man, was in the process of being fired. And as he goes through the process of being fired, you almost start to cheer for that, that, ma that, that master, don't you? Yeah, that's what you need to do. You need to fire him. He's being unfaithful. He's not fit for the job. You need to get rid of him. You need to find someone that will take care of what you have. That's, that's not the way that that the selfish man would looked at it though. The selfish man who wasn't doing his job, who wasn't taking care of his master's possession, he looked at this through the, the same, same criteria that he looked at everything else he had done. He looked at it through the me and myself and I. And he tried to figure out what he was going to do. How was he going to take care of himself? And so he returns once again to that question, the same question he's been living by, what shall I do now? And, and that there is the question that Jesus wants us to focus on as well. And this is the question that is a fitting question for us as well, and it's a fitting question for us in our life of stewardship, because God our Master has made us stewards of everything that he has given to us. And so as stewards, we are urged to be faithful managers of the word that he's given to us in our lives. And, and we are to be faithful managers as we exercise that, that spirit of service towards one another. And as we look for ways to exercise that hospitality towards one another, as we consider how we manage the wealth that he's given us, as we think of all the ways that we live that God-lived life, that we live as disciples of our Lord and Savior. And what are you to do with all of the opportunities that God has given you? What are you to do with everything that God has given you to manage? How are you going to answer the question, now what should I do? Will you use these things to live for yourself? That's what the, the steward does. And as he's being fired, he sits there and says, how can I continue to live for myself? How can I continue to make sure that I will be taken care of? And so we're told, the manager said to himself, now what shall I do? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. 
I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. That manager looked for the few opportunities he had left. And he seeks to make his life better at the expense of his master. That's, that's where you see the ugliness of this picture coming out. And then just to set it, your teeth on edge, we're told that the master comes and sees what his wicked servant has done, and he commends him. He commends him for robbing him. He commends him for misusing his finances. He commends him for putting himself first. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. And yet Jesus draws our attention to this particular moment for a particular purpose. The servant recognized at this point in time that there was nothing that he could do to better his situation. He didn't have anything in himself to sit there and say, this is how I'm going to succeed. This is how I'm going to be successful. He puts together a plan, a plan that, that relies on the character of his master. The character that he knew working for his master year after year after year, he relied on the mercy that his master would show to allow his selfish plan to have success. And, and that's why the master commends the servant's shrewdness. Not because his servant is ripping him off, but because his servant relied on the mercy of the master. Because the servant knew that the master wouldn't go behind him and undo all of the debts that were forgiven. He would continue to have mercy on the people who had their debts forgiven. The only way that this servant's plan worked was because he knew the character of his master. He knew the mercy that his master would have. And, and it's that part right there that we start to see that bit of beauty in the midst of this ugly, ugly scene that Jesus is painting for us. Because Jesus doesn't want us to focus on the selfishness of the man. He doesn't want us to focus on how he was unfaithful in his work. He doesn't want us to focus on the abuse of his master's possessions. He wants us to see the way that this servant relied on the mercy of his master and how when you rely on the mercy of your master, it allows you to act shrewdly with the things that have been entrusted in your care. We are to be shrewd with what God has given us. But the goal that we have is different than the goal of that wicked man. His goal was to seek out things for himself, to do things for himself, to make sure that his life here and now was better. That's not our goal. Our goal is different. We have an eternal goal because we have seen the mercy of our God. And we have lived in the mercy of our God. And we know that we have an eternal life that's waiting out for us. And so as we are faced with that question, now what do I do? We don't find ourselves living for the now. 
Instead, we turn our attention and live for the new. And Jesus explains exactly what that means. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And then he adds, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The world that we live in does a good job of prioritizing the secondary things, the things that aren't as important, and, and lifting them up and elevating them and saying these are the most important. These are the things that we need to keep in mind. These are the things that we need to focus on. But while there is a lot that our God will put up with as we go through our lives, the one thing that our God will not tolerate is being moved down to second place. And so while he commends the wicked, selfish man for his shrewdness in the parable, he does so to get you to think, if this is the way that, that the wicked are shrewd, if this is the way that the wicked go about their plans, if this is what they're willing to do, if they have their eyes set on the here and the now, how much more so should we be shrewd? And how much more should we rely on the mercy of our master, especially when our eyes are fixed on the eternal life that he has given us through Jesus. And because you have already received God's mercy, and you've already tasted and seen that your God is good, you are able to be shrewd with what God has given you. You can look at, at all of the ways that God has given you, you can, and you can consider how, how you can reflect the mercy that God has shown you in the ways that you manage day to day, week to week. And you can take that attitude through, through any of the things we've talked about in the last couple weeks. How can we be shrewd? How can we trust in God's mercy as we go to his word and as we partake of his sacraments? How can we use what God has given us, our, our time or our treasures, the talents that we have to serve one another or the opportunities that we have to be hospitable towards one another, how can we use these things to make friends for eternity? And we can ask this question, and we can focus on this question, because we know what God has already given to us, and we know the character of our Lord and God. Because we see the way that he demonstrates that shrewdness through his son, Jesus. Jesus, who came into the world and, and who refused to settle down in one place, but he went from town to town to town because his goal was to gather all of the lost sheep of Israel. And we can see how Jesus, as he looked at, at the time that he had, would work from sun up till sundown because he saw the crowds that were coming to him and the crowds that were yearning to learn from him, the crowds that were coming to him, and he saw them as as sheep who were scattered, sheep who were without a shepherd, and he desired to draw them into himself. And how he took the time that he had and, and would not end that time until the time properly came for him to, to shed his blood on the cross, that he might redeem the whole world from its sin, that he might serve as that banner to call people to himself. 
And because God reveals his mercy to us in this way, it changes the way that we look at our goals and we look at our, our objectives and look at how we can be faithful with what God has given us. Because we have a new life with Christ, an opportunity to live that God-lived life which means we can live that life of service, which means we can welcome one another, which means we can be hospitable when we see people who are in need. Because in each one of those situations, we can rely on the mercy of our master and know that just as he has been merciful with us in the past, he will continue to be merciful with us as we are faithful with what he has given us. Each of the last couple of weeks, you've, you've received a challenge card that have urged you to focus on, on a different aspect of your life of stewardship. And each one of those weeks, you were asked to consider how this attitude of shrewdness, how this attitude of trusting in God's mercy can be demonstrated as you consider one of those challenges. Today, you're going to have another challenge card that, that you're going to look at. And, and once again, you have the opportunity to sit there and say, how can I be shrewd with what God has given me? And so we can look at something like our budget. And we can consider ways that we can reflect God's word in our budget. We can look at how, how do I keep that mindset set on eternity? And how do I reflect that in, in the way that I, I plan and be faithful with what God has given me? And the amazing thing is, as we do that, we can look at God's mercy, and we can rely on God's mercy, and we know that even as God has shown mercy to us now, He will continue to show mercy to us. We can make our plans trusting that mercy. And so as we do things like look at our budgets, we can sit there and say, Lord, Lord, help, help me challenge myself to use what, what you've given me for your kingdom. Help me challenge myself to use what you've given me to your glory. Help me challenge myself to consider not just the ways that you take care of me here and now, but how I can take care of people going into the future. And as you do so, and as you come back to that question, now what should I do? You can consider ways that you have that opportunity to live that God-lived life. May God strengthen you to live that God-lived life today and tomorrow and next week, relying on his mercy, the mercy of your master. And God will grant that. In Christ Jesus, amen.